When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Uh, first of all, it's, it's when, the, when the lights come on, the freaks come out at night. So, you know, when they come on, it's time to shine. You're listening to the From the Pink Seats podcast, powered by the State of Louisville Network. The weather in Louisville uh, is quite frightful. I'm not going to lie to you. It's about 53 degrees coming off of a Christmas where it was 75 degrees. We are all here stuffy as can be. You'll hear some snot, some mucus, some phlegm throughout the show here. Uh, but this is from the Pink Seats Podcast. I'm your host, Jacob Lane. That is quite an introduction to what uh, you're getting yourself into here as you hit play on From the Pink Seats Podcast. Got a great show in order today as we get ready for bowl season. Just a couple of days away as Louisville will take on Air Force and the Serve Pro first responders bowl but we've got a great show in order a lot of things to get to today bring in my guys here matthew mcgavick co-host from the pink seats podcast and our newest official (laughs) ladies and gentlemen round of applause here our third co-host here uh stepping up from contributor to full-time host vincent lococo how are you guys doing um you're you're well you're certainly right about the weather being trifle i mean i was going back and forth outside with my family and i had to take my my hoodie off i didn't i didn't expect it to go all the way up to 74 yeah, and then today it's uh, as we record this, it's about 49, 50 degrees outside. And so it's a sli- just slightly chillier, uh, but enough to literally just bring every bit of phlegm that was in hiding out of my body. Yeah, yeah I'm not a fan of this. This is awful. <laughs> It's yeah, just, no, it, it, you know, I'd rather have the, the like, uh, just like, just give me cold Christmas, right? You know yes, how Stanley Hudson goes Christmas, on that? White snow. Stan, yeah, just like, I, I mean, I, I don't need it to be 75 degrees in Louisville on Christmas. It's just not, that's not right. But yeah. even if it's going to be, at least have it be consistent. Like, I don't want it to be like 71 day and then 40 the next. Like, be, be consistent so that we don't feel like like ass the next day. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, like I got hit in the face with a shovel. I mean, geez. right. Well, speaking of hopefully what it's going to feel like uh, to play against Louisville, getting hit in face in the, uh, with a shovel. That's what we're hoping Louisville as they take on air force this week. Uh, but uh, we're going to talk about that game tonight. Not, not quite a good segue there. I tried, but uh, I did not land that one. Um, a lot to get into. We've got a big three that we're going to dive into some headlines around Louisville football. Um, and then we're going to talk about Air Force and, and really dive into what you can expect with this game on Tuesday. It's um, one of the least exciting bowl games, it feels like, in, in recent memory for Louisville. But it is postseason football. Uh, as of right now, the game is going to take place. And if that's the case, we're excited to potentially see the, the cards pick up a seventh win here. Uh, later on in the episode, we've also got uh, a special preview uh, with our good friend of ours, Ryan Haynes, who covers Air Force football for Against All Enemies. Uh, he's going to sit down with Matt to talk about this game a little bit more in depth and what to expect from Air Force. But let's dive right in here. We've got a big three headlines. There's actually a lot of, of news to get into today. But before we do that, let's start at the top here. I saw something on, on Christmas as there was literally no sports on. I was stuck on my phone just looking for something as I watched, you know, the, the family open gifts and, you know, I'm sitting there in my little, my food coma, just trying to find something sports wise that I could hold on to. And I saw a, a tweet from Justin Marshall, uh, the former Louisville football receiver who transferred that he picked up an offer from Hawaii. And it got me thinking like, is there a better football situation for one year? He's a graduate transfer. He's going to play one year of college football. Is there a better school to go to for one year than Hawaii? Like I started thinking, where is, if I could pick any place to play college football for one season, where would I go? And I settled on, you know, Hawaii would be a, 
probably top of the line, honestly, Hawaii or, um, you know, maybe somewhere in California. I know you see Santa Barbara doesn't play football. They're one of the schools that's like right on the beach, but maybe like college of Charleston or something. I know it's not like a big football school, but give me football on the beach. Like how cool would that be to be able to have that as your backdrop? Oh, it'd you be know? awesome. Now, if you, if, oh, sorry, didn't mean to cut you off. Vince. No, you're but, good. Go, go ahead. Go ahead. But if, if you're a prospect and, and absolutely no disrespect to Justin, when I say this, but if you're someone who has, really legitimate shots at playing like in the NFL. You, 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 I can see you as a grad transfer wanting to go to like, you know, an Oklahoma or a USC or a Georgia, or, you know, like, you know, one of those power five factory type schools. But I mean, if, if that's maybe not the, the biggest aspiration in your future, I mean, why wouldn't you want to go to Hawaii? I mean, that's pretty much a year long vacation. <laughs> well, right. I mean, so, so is living in Bloomington, Indiana with his Indiana offer. I mean, what are you, I mean, come on guys. <laughs> He also, I saw, picked up an offer from Florida A&M, which I'm not exactly sure where that is in Florida, but potentially. That's where uh, Lovey Jenkins is at currently. Yeah. Well, Matt, like. Wait, is he really? Yeah, FAMU. Yeah, FAMU, bro. They got, they've got stick colors, man. The orange and, uh, like, what is it? Orange and, I say stick colors. Orange and green, I believe. Orange and green. I was going to say orange and blue. But, yeah, I mean, I'm just purely talking off of, like, destinations for football. Like, not even like powerhouse schools, but just the coolest place to go and play football for Justin Marshall. Like, you know, I don't know what his family situation is. I don't know what he, what he's thinking about an NFL career, but dude, you could go to Hawaii playing a pretty unique offense, live in the coolest place in America and probably put up massive numbers, right? Don't they throw the ball like a ton? Isn't that kind of like what they've been known for? That's their, their stick. I know back in the day, like I grew up on like Colt Brennan, RIP, you know, like he was sick, dude. Tim, uh, with Timmy Chang, like, do you all remember mm. how sick it was to to like watch Hawaii back in the nineties and two thousands? Oh yeah, Colt Brennan was the truth. I mean, I don't I don't think they throw it with that sort of proficiency now, just because I haven't had someone like him in a while. But no, I'm pretty sure that's still their mo. I could be wrong though. Yeah, just based off scenery alone, another cool place. It's you know, if you see, just see pictures, is App State. Just like the way that the stadium is tucked yes. into the mountains there, dude. That is one hell of a like just scenery like that you know give me football with some kind of backdrop like for louisville obviously we have churchill downs in the background we've got downtown louisville but i'm all for like a a game being played with just like mountains like right behind the stadium that are just like you know majestic and beautiful that is just one hell of a way to see a college football game i'd 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 love to go up to that state and watch a damn football game i mean it just looks so even the baseball games though if you have you all seen their baseball oh the backdrop for the baseball stadium is gorgeous it's it's beautiful incredible i tell you what though i know it's not football but another another baseball stadium that's got a great backdrop is byu you can see the rocky mountains yeah yeah Yeah, that one's sick that's all that's what i'm talking about like give me those type of places to go and play football just from a destination standpoint uh, it'll be interesting to see where Justin Marshall goes. I think that like taking a step down could be super beneficial for him. Um, obviously, I think he he's a, a little bit more suited to play at the power five or not the power five level, but maybe like the group of five or the, the non-power five schools. Unlike Puma Pass, who went down to play at Prairie View A&M, had a hell of a year, led them to the SWAC championship game. But um, the Justin Marshall thing with Hawaii caught my mind. I, I, I tweeted like, hey, man, I know we don't have much in common besides the fact that our names start with the same letter. But if I was you, I would go to Hawaii. <laughs> <laughs> just throwing my two cents out there. So we'll see if he takes my advice. Jacob's over here campaigning for uh, Hawaii recruiting in the yeah, city man. of Louisville. Look, man, I'm telling you what. They came out here and tried to poach me, and I had to offer to go to Louisville or go to Hawaii. I'm like, deuces. I'm going to Hawaii. Hey, Give me my four years. Sent my yeah. film to them for sure my senior year of high school. Trying to get a little <laughs> visit out to Hawaii, you know. Yeah, your dad you knows what's cards. up, man. Yeah, right. If you could get a free trip to Hawaii just to see what the school's like, even if it's going to be for like a walk-on position, let's do it, man. All yeah. right, let's jump into the the big three here, the biggest headlines surrounding mobile football. Let's start with headline number one. Matthew, what do you got, man? Bing, bing. Big three. Yeah, 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 yeah. Big three. Come on. Yeah, 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 yeah. Headline number one. Louisville cornerback Greedy Vance enters transfer portal. Now, I don't know about you guys, but this was this one came as a little bit of a shock. I mean, he he's been performing really well ever since uh, Keetro Clark went out for the season with his with his injury. I mean, yeah, he's had some freshman moments, but I mean, there there were a couple games this year where he looked really damn good in the starters role or or as someone who took like a, a lot of reps at that position. And then 
we're thinking he could be in line to maybe even be a starter next season alongside uh, Clark. And then we get the news that he's entering the portal. And I mean, I know any players have a variety of reasons for why they want to leave their current destinations, but this one was a really head scratcher. But then when we kind of heard some more details on this, I, I kind of felt bad for him because I mean, we didn't get a whole lot of details from this, but uh, we were talking to defensive coordinator, Brian Brown, Brian Brown, excuse me, the day that uh, he went into the portal and he said that he that Vance was having some uh, family issues, some personal issues. Uh, he's from New Orleans down in Louisiana, so he wanted to enter the portal to get closer to his family. So I, I just feel for him there and just hope everything is good with his family. Hope he, he finds the home, his next home relatively painlessly and is able to ball out wherever he goes. But as far as what it has on Louisville, I mean, now Louisville has the problem of uh, not having a really deep cornerback room for this game. Now, granted, Air Force doesn't exactly throw the ball a lot, so it's not – not as big of a hit as losing a pair of wide receivers. But now for this game, you've got Chandler Jones, who's been up and down. You've got Trey Franken, who looked, who's looked good, but he, he's definitely going to have an increased role in this game. But then you've got uh, Rance Connor and Derek Edwards as your backup because Kenai Walker, he's not going to play in this game because Louisville wants to, preserve, wants to preserve his red shirt. So you've only got four scholarship cornerbacks for the bowl game against Air Force. So it's you better hope that Air Force doesn't want to somehow throw the ball. Yeah, I, look, man, this is uh, definitely surprising transfer. I, I think long term, you're able to rebound from this pretty, you know, pretty easily. Um, not that I don't think Greedy Vance is a good player, but you know, Brian Brown has obviously shown the ability to add impact players at the position, even when pressed for time. We've seen Trey Franklin, Cottrell Clark. We've seen other guys come along in the past, um, but for the bowl game specifically, playing against this triple option, man, it's going to be very, very interesting to see what they do there to see if they are able to, to you know keep these young guys in check. Now I will say we were excited about Rance Connor. We were excited about Derek Edwards. Um, we were excited about, you know, some of these pieces that Louisville added in the off season last year. And so now it's time to see what the coaching staff has done from a development standpoint. Um, if these guys are able to get on the field and really be impactful, then well, hell yeah, that's the way that we were supposed to be. If not, then we've got some serious questions moving forward um, with, with those guys expected to be kind of the next wave of corners there. So, all right, let's jump headline number two. Stick to the Louisville report here. This is an interesting one. Uh, Louisville report. Matthew McGavick headline reads, uh, 2023 defensive end Adonis J. Green commits to Louisville. Uh, this is the first commitment in the class of 2023. Obviously, a lot of focus has been on the class of 22 as signing day wrapped up and uh, uh, Louisville looks to the transfer portal to try to find the next couple of guys to, to fill out the roster. But the 2023 uh, recruiting has obviously been going on for a while and Louisville lands their first player, Adonis J. Green. He's an edge rusher. Um, out of Ellenwood, Georgia, plays at Cedar Grove High School, six foot five, two hundred and three pounds. That is the type of size you want to see. That is an NFL size uh, in terms of height and length. Uh, defensive uh, uh, and edge rusher picked Louisville over some interesting offers, including uh, Boston College, uh, Georgia Tech, Kentucky, uh, Memphis, USC, Virginia Tech, Purdue, uh, as well as others. So, uh, Matt, you wrote about Adonis J. Green. What is Louisville getting here in this fellow? I mean, you got to touch upon it already a little bit. I mean, this 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 dude's body body size and frame. I mean, Louisville's trying to put a premium on recruiting right now on edge rushers in this class, but it seems like they're still kind of working on it for the twenty twenty three class as well. And and this this kid is is massive, six foot five. I mean, that's exactly the size you want. I I watched a little bit of film on him, just not as much as I would have wanted to because he committed on Christmas Eve, and I was you know kind of busy hitting the. Uh, the new Russ Smith bourbon, which was pretty good. Yeah. You like it? I did like it. I mean, I love Russ, but it was a little bit pricey for $40, but I mean, it's not bad. It's pretty good, but I, I think 40 was a little bit steep for the, uh, like the opening bottle. But anyways, I'm kind of getting off tangent. But no. <laughs> you're just revealing that you're cheap. That's all. <laughs> yeah. Go get your bottle of Kentucky gentlemen. If you want cheap bourbon. Huh? <laughs> oh, oh, hell no. Absolutely not. Hey, I can but, tell you some stories about some Kentucky gentlemen, my friends. Oh, I'm I sure could. we all could. Uh, I too. <laughs> but anyways, uh, back on green. Yeah. His, his offer sheet was interesting. He had USC Pitt, Virginia tech, Purdue, that school down the road. And they really poured in a lot into his recruitment. They offered him back in mid-September. He took a pair of unofficial visits to Boston, uh, to the Louisville's games against Boston College and Syracuse. I mean, this dude was extremely productive during his senior season. He had 16 and a half sacks and interception. He plays, he's, he's an edge rusher, but he kind of plays a little bit kind of like the card linebacker 
in the Louisville system. Like he plays, Ooh. I mean, on the edge, but like there was a lot of times where he was out of his three point stance and kind of lined up sort of like a linebacker, kind of like how Jack could go is, I mean, he didn't have a ton of snaps in a uh, coverage. Of course, I'd have to dive a little bit more into the film, but I mean, when you're getting a guy who, who just barely misses the top 500, I mean, he's got to be good. Right. <laughs> For sure. And let me just say this before I ask Vince a question on this uh, in terms of what that size does. But just just from uh, we've talked about size a lot and the the need to upgrade. OK, so just if you think about Louisville's defense, say everything goes well over the next two years, Brian Brown's still here, blah, blah, blah. You're talking about the Adonis J. Green and Popeye uh, Williams as your potential edge rushers. You mentioned him at the card position, putting a six foot five linebacker there who would potentially play at 225, 220. Yes, I'm all I'm all on board for that. Then you mentioned Tafik Thomas, Caleb, uh, Caleb Banks, six foot seven, probably will play about 275, 280 pounds. Can I Walker at cornerback, six foot two? You've got a couple of six foot three safeties, dude. This they're they're definitely putting a premium on size, and it is going to pay off in a few years. I can't wait. But Vince, tell me what you think about um, putting somebody of this size, this caliber, this kind of um, you know already uh, you know well rounded edge rusher in that defense, and and what that could do for Brian Brown. Well, he's six five, correct, guys? So six five, yes, yeah, six yeah. five, two hundred three. Yep. So right there, I mean, like you all have been harping on, he's going to have a frame to where we can put a lot of weight on him. We can really, you know, beef him up. <laughs> but at the same time, he's going to be able to set an edge with that six foot five size that we haven't necessarily been able to have, just because of you know the height difference difference between you know like us and Kentucky. I mean, those are some big old hog molly of offensive linemen, but. Uh, <laughs> I, I love this kid. It's going to be an awesome – it's an awesome grab for us, especially this early on in the recruitment trail. So, you know, hopefully we can keep it up and grab some more big old dudes. Yeah, uh, they're going to keep it rolling here. This class size, if, I, if I'm not mistaken, is a little bit larger than what they had in 2022. So you'll, you'll probably see, uh, you know, an uptick in commitments coming up. Um, you know, after the season, end of the off season. So, all right, let's let's move along here. Headline number three: We go to Twitter at Rivals Portal, NCAA Transfer Portal. UTEP transfer wide receiver Jacob Cowling picked up an offer from Louisville. This is a kid who has uh, played at UTEP for the last three years. Entered the transfer portal a little bit surprisingly. He's put up monster numbers, including last year, sixty nine catches, uh, just nice. north of thirteen hundred. Yeah. <laughs> 1,300 yards, seven touchdowns on his career. He's got 141 catches, almost 3,000 yards. Uh, that that production may seem a little bit inflated, but you looked at who's picked up uh, offers from, including the likes of Oregon, Texas, potentially Alabama showing interest, as well as a couple of other ACC programs, LSU involved there. So this is a legitimate kid. Louisville's got the chance to continue to upgrade that wide receiver room. What do you all think about this potential addition? I love this, Greb, personally. I mean, if he's not a guy, like you said, he's had 69 catches and over a thousand nice. yards last season. You're not getting a Roscoe Johnson or a Thomas Jackson. You know, I love those guys to death, but they were just kind of in to fill a role. And, you know, just because the numbers were so low, but this is a kid that's coming in ready to play. Oh, yeah. And plus, at this point, you're starting to get to a spot where the wide receiver room. I mean, Jordan Watkins and Justin Marshall were great, but you're starting to get to a point where the wide receiver room might be better next year than it was. The, uh, this season, I mean, you bring you retain Tyler Harrell, who's starting to come into his own. Braden Smith is coming back. Amari Huggins Bruce looked really good as a true freshman. Then you grab D. Wiggins, who has a lot of potential and has already has experience at the Power Five level. And you get a guy like I can I could easily see Devon Morber maybe ha- carving into a good a nice little niche role as a true freshman, and then add this kid on, in, into the mix. I mean, all of a sudden, Louisville has a fair amount of weapons in the receiver room. Yeah, they, they absolutely do. And that's if you're Malik Cunningham, you are all about that. As many weapons as you can have that'll help uh, a senior season, a uh, super senior season in which uh, uh, somebody like Matthew McGavick would write potentially may come with uh, some Heisman odds, you know, who knows there. Mm-hmm. So uh, definitely uh, something to watch as Louisville continues to recruit the transfer portal. Uh, again, we talked about this last episode, wide receiver potentially safety defensive back. Obviously that need now becomes a little bit more important with the loss of greedy Vance and then defensive lineman, maybe an offensive lineman and you're, you're set up for uh, next year. All right, let's jump in to the air force preview here. Uh, definitely a lot to talk about for this game. Um, I, again, I, I kind of hinted at it at the top of the show, but uh, it's obviously, 
obviously not a matchup that is the likes of a Florida or an LSU or even a Mississippi State, some of the teams that Louisville's played lately. But um, this Air Force team is a solid football team. They are 9-3 and three on the season. They've picked up a couple of big wins over uh, teams like Boise State, which obviously isn't what they once were, but still a nice win. Uh, they beat Wyoming, who just is coming off of a bowl win this season. I know these aren't like the sexiest names in the world. They beat Nevada, uh, UNLV, Colorado State. So – uh, they had a good season, and they've, they've got a, a really interesting offensive scheme that is going to test some of these injuries um, and some of these position groups that are really thin, like cornerback. And there's a lot of narratives here. You know, Scott Satterfield has talked about and Malik Cunningham that they they really are motivated at this game. They think that uh, this is a good way to go out and really build momentum towards next season, and, and which it could be a year where they win a lot of football games. Then there's the element of, you know, players transferring, players leaving. Um, you know, you, then you have guys like Kendrick Duncan and, and Q Cole and Yasir Abdullah and um, some of the other guys that are looking to put some more film on tape, maybe, you know, potentially – uh, in a position to declare for the NFL draft, I would throw Marshawn Ford into that category. So, you know, there's definitely a lot at stake here, but um, there's a lot of room for error. And if things don't go well, whoo, man, mm-hmm. you set yourself up for a, a nasty offseason. What are your What are your guys' just kind of initial thoughts on this? I, the more I kind of dived into it, the more concerned I kind of got. Because even in Air Force's three losses, they were still really competitive. Their first loss of the season was just was by four in a shootout to Utah State, who eventually did win the Mountain West Conference. Loss number two was just by six points to then-ranked San Diego State, who uh, Utah State took down in the Mountain West Championship. And then their their third loss of the season was in overtime to Army, who just won their bowl game and yep. put 56 on Wake Forest. I mean, this is a team that's just going to stick with you the entire time. And even talking to Ryan in my interview, which you'll hear in just a little bit, one of the first things he said was that Wake, not Wake Forest, is that Air Force is a team that does not give up. No matter what kind of hole they get in, they'll still try to try to rally together. No matter like, even if it's running the ball or if they if they have to open up the passing attack, they'll have to. Even Hazik Daniels, while he has a fair his, his own stake in the running game, he's had double digit passing attempts, and I think four or five games a season. So he has some experience throwing the ball. It's just that with their scheme, they obviously they're going to run the hell out of it. So even if Louisville does go ahead, like say 17-0 early or 14-3, you know, insert increment here. Even if they do go up early, I mean, I'm not going to feel confident that they're going to close out this game until the game is over, especially considering Louisville had a litany of these issues in the middle of the season. I mean, you can count. You can almost count on two hands the amount of times I've had trouble closing in the second half or in the fourth quarter, especially through the middle part of the season where they had that one and five stretch. So, I, I can. The more I looked into it, the more I could understand as to why this game was almost a pick 'em. I think Louisville they opened up as a one point favorite. They're now at one and a half, but I can I can understand why that spread is so low. Yeah, I need Louisville to win this game. I put money on them to win in that parlay that, that I told you all about. So. Um, I'm going to continue to tell myself that Louisville is going to win this game, but, uh, you know, I am super concerned. Vince, I'm coming to you. I know you've prepared for the triple option, the wishbone, whatever you want to call it. I, you, you know, people got different names for it. They actually what, the flex, uh, bone. <laughs> flex bone. Okay. What's the flex? Tell us what the flex bone is, uh, Vince, and tell us how Louisville is going to prepare to tackle this uh, uh, literally uh, on the defensive end. It's a pain in the butt to deal with. So just get that. Out, out of the way and then on top of it like Matt was talking about you're playing against a bunch of military guys so they're not going to quit at all they're literally trained not to quit during any situation like that and you just got to have your eyes in the right spot at the right time you can't be trying to play hero ball and think you see something and think you're going to make that big play which you know could happen to us because we have a lot of guys that are trying to fight for better draft stock and stuff yeah so you know it only takes one time for q cole to not have his eyes in the right spot next thing you know they're hitting us for a 60 yard pop pass you know right up the hash so i i think this is going to be an extremely extremely high scoring game i think i don't think they can touch us defense with their defense against our offense i just think we have better dudes out there and i think we'll take care of business on that side it's just being disciplined and having your eyes in the right spot and doing your job. You don't need to do anything spectacular. You go out there, you do your job. We can win this game. I mean, you you, you talk about their defense like Louisville's offense is going to overwhelm them, but I mean they've they've got a couple dudes on that line. Yeah, they do. The, the I just, first, 
I the just first think our speed outside, like they're, oh, they're, yeah, they're all fair. they all they practice on. I mean, yeah, they have a scout team just like everybody else, but their quarterback can't throw it. That scout team quarterback can't throw it, but what, fifteen yards, twenty yards, you know? Yeah, no, you're, you're right. You see what I'm but saying? Like, you're just not going to be practicing against the same caliber of an athlete that I. There's no Tyler Harrell out there that's running a four-two, you know, forty-yard yeah, dash or whatnot. That's a uh, also a very valid point, but they do have a guy like Trey. I think his name's Trey Bugs, which uh, that'd be a cool last name, Mister Bugs. Um, he is a defensive back. He's had a big season there. He talked about some of the challenges that they expect to see. But this is a team that, in their history, they have two wins consecutively here against Power Five schools. Now it's Colorado and Washington State. Colorado was coached by Mel Tucker. Then when they picked that win up, I'm pretty sure. Um, and Washington State, well, you know. They're, they've gotten it kind of figured out there. I know they had a switch in coaching midseason with the whole vaccine stuff, but they that's two teams that they've beaten. So Air Force is not – they're, they're definitely not afraid of Louisville. You know, they're not going to be punked by Louisville. Um, it's going to be a, a, a hell of a battle um, of really football smarts, right? Because Air Force is going to play a football smart game. And what what's one thing that you guys would say Louisville struggled with defensively this season? It's not been – um, you know, they've missed tackles, but it, more than not, it's just been it's been mental errors, right? Yep. Not having your yep. eyes in the right spot, not communicating, things like that. And against a team like Air and Force, there were some that, times where penalties kind of bit you. Yep. Yeah. Yep. It's Air Force. That stuff that, that can bite you in the butt and make for a pretty crappy offseason. Yeah, and it, it's a two-way street here. It can go either way, but guys like, again, like C.J. Avery, Cole, uh, uh, Quintario Cole, Kendrick Duncan, um, even Chandler Jones to an extent, there's going to be a lot of pressure on them to step up and be able to lead these young guys to make sure that they're in the right place and doing the right things. And based off what we've seen this year, that's really concerning. But I, I will tell you, watch out for Marvin Dallas because I don't think Air Force has seen anybody <laughs> like is. Marvin Dallas. My friend. Yeah. So I have a feeling that when we get together next time, we will have quite a few Marvin Dallas alerts throughout the show as we break down the film of that game. Uh, because I definitely think he's going to be an impact uh, impact player. Same with Jack Figueroa. This is a game that's built for them. They're going to have 14, 15 tackles, you know, because they're going to run the football so much. Uh, and those guys, it's just about being in the right. It, re- it really does just come down to being disciplined, being in the right place and making the play when you get the opportunity. Right. I think that's it on defense. That's that's the game plan. I mean, it, it sounds so simple, but it's, it's right. It's so not simple. But it, yeah. plus, it, it's going to be hard to out discipline like a, a service academy. But I think if you can have enough discipline to where your athleticism and overall football skill and acumen can overcome Air Force, I think that's where you can you can start to feel a little bit more comfortable. Because I think if it goes without saying you're probably not going to out discipline Army guys or not Air, not Army Air Force, but you know what I mean. Just, yeah, just, just limit your errors and let your, your natural talent and ability go to work. Yeah, I think that's a good way of putting it. Now, on the other side, how does uh, Air Force deal with Malik Cunningham? Because uh, he's healthy now, I would assume. Um, you know, he is a, a guy who obviously will be able to run the football and take care of business and do what he has to do. He will also be able to throw the football. Um, and I'm looking back on the numbers when Air Force beat Nevada and Carson Strong, who is uh, being uh, more and more talked about as a first round pick from Nevada, maybe a second round pick threw for 351 yards, four touchdowns on 27 of 44. So um, this is a defense that has given up a lot of uh, big plays in the air. So can they stop Malik Cunningham? That's the big question here. What do you guys think? I, I don't think that they'll be able to. And my, I mean, like, I, like I've been saying, if you put yourself, put yourself in Air Force's shoes whenever you're trying to prepare for Malik Cunningham, you're going to have a quarterback. You're going to be rotating your scout team quarterbacks, one that can run and one that can throw the ball, because I guarantee you there's nobody that can even sniff the uh, throwing and running capability in one person like Malik Cunningham over there. And, and to kind of play devil's advocate, I think they can and that the – the blueprint for Air Force for them to try and contain Malik is probably going to be just to disrupt him up front. Because like I've said earlier, they've got a couple guys that can do that. Vince Sanford, their outside linebacker, he's got 17 tackles for loss, nine and a half sacks, nine quarterback hurries, and four force fumbles. I mean, that's a, that's a hell of a stat line. And then you've got uh, defensive lineman and Jordan Jackson, who's also not having a bad season himself, 10, 10 tackles for loss, seven sacks. So, like, there's a couple dudes who – I mean, I know Louisville's offensive line is one of the better ones in the ACC, if, if not one of the better – more underappreciated ones in the nation. But there's a couple guys who could possibly throw a wrench in the overall game plan up front. So, I, th- I think it goes without saying that, like you said, Vince, Air Force probably doesn't have any guys that are going to contain Louisville speed guys like Amari Huckins, Bruce, or Tyler Harrell. 
But if they can get guys in Malik's face and make him uncomfortable in the pocket, yeah. you, you, you could see Air Force uh, potentially hang with Louisville if they can do that. And, and we still have to run the ball. You know, we're not going right. to come out there and throw the ball 75, 80 times, you know. So we're going to have to establish a run just as much. So those, you know, big D linemen Air Force has, that's going to – that could you know, you can see some disruption there. I don't have their roster in front of me, but I can't imagine that they are a defensive line that's much bigger than what Louisville is. And if that's the case, you know, this offensive line for Louisville should be able to feast on that. You know, that's what they are used to playing against it and Louisville in practice. I mean, I know the ones and ones don't go really head to head, but you know, air force is not going to be like an sec size defensive line, which gives you hope on both sides of the ball, offense and defense that your guys can just take advantage of that and make the necessary plays. Um, I think that you're going to see some big plays to Tyler Harrell. I think you're going to see some big plays to Mari Huggins-Bruce. Uh, and I think they're going to try to use some more of that passing game, knowing that um, they won't have the speed to contend with those guys to unlock some of the running game. You know, this Air Force defense is very sound. They're not going to be fooled by, this, by, the, by the stretch runs, um, even if they haven't seen much of it, you know, and that it can be confusing. I think this is a defense that will be very disciplined. And so Louisville's got to beat them with what they have in their arsenal and that's speed. Right. Uh, and that's just more athleticism and, and overall talent. So yeah. um, I, I feel good with Sat. I'm, I'm really interested with the time off to see um, uh, Sat Baggy in his bag. That's what I'm going to start. <laughs> Instead of Sat Daddy, Sat Baggy, because when he gets in his scripted bag, <laughs> man, he is, he is nasty. Oh, so the first man. 20 plays of this game, uh, I can't Jacob, wait to see quick. what Sat Baggy does. Yes. Uh, but while going back to your point about size on the D line, I decided to like pull it up real quick. Uh, Vince Sanford, that outside linebacker I was just talking about, he's 6'1, 210, and their two best defensive linemen, Jordan Jackson, 6'5, 285, and then Chris Herrera is their starting nose tackle. He's 6'5, 275. Yes. So Louisville's got a good – I mean, that this isn't going to be where they're overwhelmed with size. And their, their no, they, quickness got, will probably be noticeable, but they'll yes. still be – this should be something Louisville should be able to kind of manhandle. Where, what, I, what I don't like, guys, is we know they run that, like, weird triple option or whatnot, but their, their O-line could have the potential to be in a, you know, possibly four-point stance sometimes, which you get an O-lineman in a four-point stance or that heavy on that one – their front hand and a three-point stance, I mean, they're probably going to be coming off a lot harder than our D-line will be just because our D-line will be trying to, like we've been talking about, play their gap and see where the ball is going. Interesting. That's an interesting thing to watch that I would never even think of, you know, kind of who oh, yeah. gets that upper hand right as soon as the ball is snapped. How big of a deal is that? I mean, does that kind of dictate oh, what we was able you to do? I think we run a three-down three <laughs> defense. If they could get that double team on the guard with the guard in the center, that could open up. I mean, that could open up either either a gap yeah. for them to run through with that fullback, you know, and that that create a one on one opportunity with our our middle linebacker. So, yeah, I and know. I mean, if you're just thinking about it more, this game doesn't it makes me more and more nervous each week. So exactly <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, Louisville's going to have to score. That's the name of the game here. They're going to have to put up points. They can, and it's got to be touchdowns because Air Force is going to be able to move the football and have the ball probably for long periods of time. Um, and, and one thing that's really interesting to kind of note here is you get the opportunity to rebound. I know it's a different looking offense, but uh, obviously, uh, what Will Levis did from Kentucky was destroy Louisville, you know, with that, that quarterback draw. And again, it's the option here, but when Louisville has had the threat of a running quarterback and a running, a running, running back, it sounds stupid to say, but a running back who is able to make plays, they've yeah, struggled I, I know so with uh, Hazik Daniels and with. Yeah, with Hazik Daniels and Brad Roberts here, you know, I know this isn't the most traditional looking backfield, um, but they are dangerous and they could make Louisville look silly, right? There could be a dude named Brad who goes for 200 yards on Louisville. And my God, would that be the ultimate L's down? Probably drives a Hummer and wears those big old pit vipers. And yep, let's let's not let that happen. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. No, he wears he wears, you know, the the octagon brand shirts and famous shirts and maybe you know, shirts. belt buckles. Yeah, tap out. That's a good one. Yeah, I bet I bet oh, Brad Roberts yeah. has a tap out shirt. Yeah, he's definitely got a tap out shirt. Definitely. No doubt. Um, so yeah, this game is definitely gonna be, you know, uh something to watch. What do you guys think that one of the last things I want to get to here? Louisville's missing a lot of guys, right? So on the injury bandwagon, uh, there you or on the injury train, you're missing. Monty Montgomery, you've got Braden Smith out. Um, I know that there are others that I have, I'm missing, but 
Um, obviously Evan Conley is another one there. And then um, you, you're missing Justin Marshall. You're missing Jordan Watkins. I know Jalen Carter and De- Demetrius Cannon, not injuries, but they're not going to play. Can I Walker isn't going to play. What, what's the most impactful uh, miss that Louisville has right now? Is it greedy Vance? Is it, um, is it Evan Conley in case Malik goes down? What's there? Is it Jordan Watkins? What's the biggest, who's the, the, the impact that they're going to feel the most in this game? Do y'all think? I, I think pers- go ahead, Matt. Go ahead. Matt. I think it's Watkins just because it, it will, it, he would have helped you have a, a not, um, an offense that wasn't one note. Like I'm like, I, well, like you've already said earlier, they've got, they've still got some receivers to where they can have some ability to go through the air, but like having your, your, the guy who kind of led the receiving room in, in, receiving yards and touchdowns. I mean, having him would totally change the complexion of this game, but considering he's gone, I mean, you're going to have a have, have to have a lot of other guys step up. Plus, plus when you include the fact that Marshall's gone, I mean, you've got two walk-ons on the, on the two deep that are, and then you've got a, Oh God, what's his name? TJ Lewis, who's yeah. a converted quarterback who he's been, who Flash he safety. has been taking, he has been taking wide receiver snaps like ever since he, uh, the third game of the season, I believe. So he's not completely inexperienced, but this wide receiver room is definitely going to have its fair share of young guys. I'm going to give you a hot take here. Oh God. TJ Lewis is going to score a touchdown. I don't know if it's going to be passing or, or catching. That's my hot take. On record, I'll send you five bucks if that happens. <laughs> okay, well, our, now we'll be even on our bet. I forget oh, yeah, what our bet even go. was, but we'll just call it double or nothing here. Honestly, I, I, if he's lining up at wide receiver. Dude, I mean, why could you not just give him the, a screen? And what happens if he takes it 60 well, no, yards? Like I think that, it could it could be rushing. Like, he could be on a jet sweep or something. Yeah, like just, right. Like, I think, I think our biggest miss, we're, we've been feeling it all years with Monty, uh, that he, he just adds for consistency in that, in, in that inside spot. Yeah, I wonder if Momo Sonogo yeah. can play in this game. I wonder if we could just sneak him in there in a Monty Montgomery <laughs> jersey or something. Just, you know, throw the seven on, throw a knee brace on. I, I, I've been kind of thinking about this the last couple of days. You know how you've had a bunch of players enter the transfer portal between the end of the regular season and and the bowl game, and then you have vice versa, like players leaving their respective pro- like programs are at and then joining yes. new programs before bowl games. I wouldn't be shocked that in the immediate future if someone tries – to propose legislation to the NCAA that transfers who signed during the early signing period could maybe play in the ball game. Yes. Without you know eligibility. Be the one to do that? Who? Lane Kiffin. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. I'll bet a million dollars on him doing that first before anybody else. I mean, does that not make sense, though? Oh, 100%. Was... Why couldn't you? Why yeah. couldn't you? Or you need to push the portal back where you can't enter the portal until after the bowl game. I mean, yeah, that's one of the things. Uh, there's definitely That's the thing. I don't know if you can is the, does the portal ever close? Oh, I, no. I don't think it does. Oh yeah. I think go get your paperwork from compliance and fill it out. And yeah, there you go. But I think that there's a deadline to where you have to be enrolled at a school to be able to play and be eligible. That's the thing. And then, and then the other element is this, is that this is like, so for Jordan Watkins, I don't think he can just transfer again. He's, he's stuck there at Ole Miss now, um, you know, for, unless he's going to sit out. Well, so he can transfer, can but transfer he once. Sit out so he to sit out. Right, exactly. Right. But I'm just saying, so that transfer portal thing is kind of crazy, you know, and it goes both ways, but it would be interesting to see if they could get guys eligible or if there's some kind of legislation, like you said, that, that potentially pushes it back or makes it to where it's, you can't, it's just crazy how much movement has already started. These bowl games are so ridiculous. And the fact that I'm already not a huge college football fan, but like when I'm sitting here watching Old Dominion and ECU and ECU's quarterback has decided he, he doesn't need to play because he's going to prepare for the NFL draft. Just shut it down, man. Just shut it down. We don't need to see ECU playing with their backup quarterback on ESPN at 3.30 in the afternoon. Nobody needs that. Like These bowl games are meaningless. Nobody cares. They're stupid other than just betting. That's the only reason anybody watches anymore is because they're trying to win but money. Like Jacob, that's, that's the exact reason these things won't get canceled because of money. Right, because there's money. Right, it's all about gambling and play and people wanting to win money off of insignificant games. But from a television viewing standpoint, you're gonna you find me crazy if you think I'm gonna sit down in front of my television for the Duke's Mayo Bowl to see you know whoa, Emory whoa, whoa, Jones whoa. playing whoa, for Florida. Whoa. I will not have yeah. any Duke's we're not gonna Mayo hammer Duke's Mayo okay, Bowl fine. there. That's a great sorry. Bowl. I, it's the only bowl I could think of. It's the only bowl I could think of off the top of my head. I, I apologize. All all. Well, you mean you can't think of the good old Duke's bad boy mowers Gasparilla? Okay. The, the Gasparilla Bowl or the, the Bahamas Popeyes Bowl. But 
There, uh, which, by the way, that game was – oh, my God, that App State uh, – Western Kentucky game was a hell of a game. I'm sitting here shitting fun. on bowls, but that game was fun as hell. But, but no, it's just these bowls are so – they're so – nobody cares except for the fact that you want to try to bet on them and win money, and they're just terrible uh, at TV to the fact that it is the stupidest thing that I turned on Central Florida and Florida and Emory Jones, who has announced that he is transferring, and in the transfer portal is playing for Florida. There's like no this, way he was this in the transfer. There's no way yeah, he, was he was in the transfer he was. portal. He was. Yes, he was, man. And the thing no, okay, under his may, name. May, said okay, he, okay, he, he could probably game. announce that he has the intentions to, but there's no way he was actually but, in okay, the portal. Okay, Matt. All right, Mr. Mr. Whatever you the, the rules. Coaches are contacting him. I guarantee it. He's playing football in a game. So we can agree to disagree that he is in the transfer portal, whether it is officially or not officially, and he is playing football. Okay. Both of those things are realistic. He might not be in there with paperwork filed with Judy at compliance, but coaches from other schools, including central Florida are probably contacting him about coming to play football for their school next year. So yeah, that's happening. Whole season is out with his boys. Yeah, uh, right. Hey, dude, he's just trying to get some film, so maybe Alabama comes calling. Maybe if I just have a good game against Central Florida, I'll get that Alabama offer. And then he gets an Alabama A&M offer. Oof. Like, <laughs> Shit, wrong school. It's like your thumbs. All right, well, that's going to wrap up. Well, that's going to wrap up the football part of this. Let's quickly go through and give our predictions we, that we will probably regret by Tuesday around 6 o'clock, uh, and then we're going to – Give it up. Uh, Matt's going to go into his interview here with Ryan Haynes of Against All Enemies to talk about the game a little bit more in depth. I'm going to start with you, Vince. I usually let you go last, but I'm going to start with you. What is your prediction for Louisville versus Air Force? I'm going to go with 45-14 cards. Oh, jeez. Oh, yeah. Lord have mercy. And you just said you were worried like five minutes ago. So much I know, for that. but it's, I already had that written down, so I'm not going to back out on it. <laughs> So, all right, I don't have any logic or reasoning behind that except for the fact that we have better athletes than them, and I just think we'll out athlete them. And I'm banking on Coach Brown doing some improvements with the defense. Hopefully, hopefully, it doesn't make me sound like an idiot right now. So, I like it. What do you got? I'm gonna go with the complete opposite of what Vince just said. I'm gonna go with a low scoring game. I'm gonna go Louisville 28, Air Force 27. I had it on my my prediction piece was going to be 28-24, but that was before I really took into account some transfers and just thinking about it. I, I really think as long as Louisville can score on the majority of the, of the limited possessions they get, I think they win. But if they are if their first few possessions they are ending like field goals or punts, they're yeah. in trouble. Yeah, no doubt, man. This has got to be the Louisville team that comes prepared to stop the run like they against they did against Will Shipley, like they did against uh, Bam Knight, and like they did against Mateo Durant. This cannot be a, oh, they are Air Force, we're going to be lax. Th- this team will thrash Louisville, and we will be watching UK 2.0 all over again. He's and, nice. God, I just don't want to do that all, all off season. So here's what I'm going to say. They can't stop. They have not seen a, a Tyler Harrell yet. I think Tyler Harrell is going to catch two touchdowns. Malik's throws for 350 yards. Louisville struggles to stop the run consistently. Uh, those young guys do just enough uh, combined with those veterans who are looking to try to uh, really kind of put themselves in NFL draft consideration. Louisville wins this game 35-31. to 31. But it's a close one up until the very end. It's a game where we definitely are, are shaking in our boots. That's for sure. And, uh, I, I uh, and one, one more thing, you know, we, we're not going to do a hero of the week, uh, but I got to say the the whole cowboy theme with Malik Cunningham on the graphics is just goofy. I don't get it. I don't get it. He looks like it. I like it. I thought it was funny. Like, also, it's just not for uh, me. Speaking of Malik Cunningham, uh, one last thing for me, he is on Milestone Watch. Do you guys have any idea what I'm talking about? No. Uh, I saw you and Kelly Dickey going back. Was it Kelly Dickey or somebody? I saw you all tweeting. About well, he's, he's got. He's currently got 18 passing touchdowns, 19 rushing. So he's only like a few scores away from going into the 2020 club, and he'd be the ninth player in college football history to ever do that. But to add to that, if he passes for 266 and rushes for 39, on top of getting those, he'd only be the fifth person in college football history to do that, joining Colin Kaepernick, Johnny Manziel, Jalen Hurts, and Lamar Jackson. So good company. Wow, that's a great list, man. Yeah, look, we've talked about it all offseason. Or so so far to the end of the season, um, 
Malik Cunningham's got a chance to really put himself in some record books here next year. If he comes back with a big year, you know, if he's able to stay healthy and plays all 13, maybe 14 games, it could be, it could be dangerous that and Lamar Jackson's records are like untouchable in a lot of regards, but he's going to get up there at least to a place where his records and Malik Cunningham's records may never. Well, Malik Cunningham has again. a very you know shot at, at overtaking Lamar. That's for sure. Whoa. That's crazy. Dude. That's to like, think I'm, no, oh, no, 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 In the record book. Okay, record I was book. like, I was like, like, oh my gosh. <laughs> no, in terms of total, the the yeah. career records for total yardage yeah. and total touchdowns at Louisville. I, That's yeah, what I'm I got about. It just sucks. He'll yeah, always it, be like known as a, the second or third best quarterback in school history. He'll never be the number one, you know, because you can argue Brom, you can yeah, argue I mean, depending Teddy on what happens, and all these other people, but like you'll never be able to argue that number one spot. Yeah, but what he could do the. Mar never did next year is potentially go to a New Year's a New Year's Six Bowl. You know, he could potentially take Louisville to win an ACC title. Now, I'm not saying I think that's going to happen, but he could really elevate Louisville's bowl status next year. That's something Lamar never did. So they they'll be compared for forever. And he's obviously not Lamar, but Malik Cunningham has got a, a chance to be up there with the Teddies and the Brian Brahms. He very much does. Oh hell yeah. All right. Well, that's one way one way to end that here. All right, make sure you're following these guys on the social medias. Uh, Matt McGavick, Matt underscore McGavick, the Louisville report of Sports Illustrated. Uh, be sure to check out all of his work. Tons of great stuff with the basketball season, women's basketball, all of the sports going around with Louisville here, uh, NBA stuff. Matt, with all these 10-day deals being given out, you might get a 10-day deal here soon. Uh, but you definitely have been writing about those guys who have been getting those. Carly Jones, one of them. So make sure you're checking out Matt's work. And then, of course, Vincent Lococo, uh, just exactly how it sounds on Twitter there. Uh, and you'll be hearing a lot more from him here on the state of Louisville and, of course, on uh, from the Pink Seeds podcast. Give me a follow on Twitter at Jacob Lane 08. Lots of pictures of my kids. That's pretty much all you're going to get these days. Every once in a while, a good dad joke. Uh, definitely worth a follow, in my opinion. My wife might tell you otherwise. Uh, and then, of course, check out stateofwilville.com. Follow all the State of Louisville podcasters and writers and the State of Louisville podcast network. Uh, hang tight here. We're going to go into a quick break. Uh, but on the other side, uh, Matt is going to be joined by Ryan Haynes against all enemies as they break down the Louisville and Air Force game. Bowl season is upon us, and we are just a few days away from the Serve Pro First Responder Bowl. For 6 and 6 Louisville, we will be taking on 9 and 3 Air Force. And to help get a better understanding of the Cardinals' opponent, I'm joined by Ryan Haynes, who covers Air Force for Against All Enemies of SB Nation. Welcome into From the Pink Saints. Ryan, how are you doing today? Good, good. How are you? Doing pretty good. First of all, what's it like covering a service academy football team? And, and what makes that style of football like so so unique based on what you've seen, in your opinion? I mean, you always know what you're going to get. All three service academies run the triple option. So you got to be, it's a lot of rushing, not a lot of passing. And you usually figure out pretty quickly where the ball is going to go, depending how the first couple games of the season go. And I mean, you've just seen that from Air Force all year. Number one rushing attack in the country. Yep. Um, hard to stop, but... If they get into a hole early, service academy teams seem to have trouble to me coming back from early holes just because of how long and how slow they go. Right. Just because of their their one note offense, they typically run. It, it's difficult to even call it one note just because, you know, the triple option, there's a variety of ways you can run it. I mean, it's not just simply like a like give it to the running back and go. You could give it to the running back, one of the slot backs, one of the receivers. So right. th there's there's a way for them to be to be a one note offense and still find them find themselves marching down the field. Obviously, Air Force nine and three going six and two in the Mountain West. How would you best describe or summarize the season that they've had up to this point? It feels like an almost there season. They came. It's I mean, it's been great record wise. They've. Right beaten up on teams that they were expected to beat up on, but their closest games, like I was kind of saying, they found themselves in a points hole early and just never found a way to get back. Like San Diego state went up 17 to nothing and the Falcons almost got back from it. Um, Army army went up early. The Falcons did get back from it 
and they went to overtime, but they just couldn't find a way to get the job done. And that's obviously kept the commander in chief's trophy just out of reach. If a couple plays go a different way, they would have had a chance to compete for the Mountain West championship, but Utah State got in right. just ahead. So, yeah, speaking of that Utah State game, was, was that a game where Air Force kind of find, found themselves down early? Because I, I think if I remember reading the box score correctly, that was a game where they kind of were forced to pass it a little bit or, or open up the passing attack in the way that Air Force does. It's, it's actually a game where they were ahead at the half. They were up 24 to 13 going into the locker rooms. It's just Utah State exploded out of the second half. They put up yep. 21 points in the third quarter and didn't really look back after that point yeah i mean it's in retrospect i mean they ended up win, winning the mountain west taking down uh was san diego state ranked at the time when yes. they faced they were i yeah. mean you look back at it and you lose the eventual mountain west champion uh champion so I, I i guess to say that you were up on them early i mean that's nothing to hang your head on except for yeah. the fact that you, you dropped the game but i want to kind of transition talking about uh head coach troy calhoun now, recent years he's been a name that's occasionally circled around as maybe being a power five candidate what kind of coach is he uh, away from style because we know he's going to run the triple option right and what can louisville Fex expect out of his football team I mean, Air Force doesn't give up. Like, Coach Calhoun is, he's always on the sidelines, just completely animated, um, making sure, like, he'll get in his players' faces, but not, you know, he's not. It's not going full-blown Bobby Petrino on them. Right. He doesn't have a guy to hold him back. He doesn't have that. um, He trusts his players. He knows that they know what the mission is. And I mean, obviously, you know how they're going to approach each game. Right. It's just a matter of getting it done. Air Force last few seasons, they've had, you know, a little bit of success against some power five teams. I know in 2019, they took down, was it Colorado and uh, who, who did they play in the bowl game? Was it was they Washington played State? Washington State. Yep. Washington State. Yeah. Bowl. She's at bowl. God, it's not bowl season unless you play some obscurely named bowl. And obviously, they've played a couple other G5 scenes that are other that are pretty well known and have some success against them, you know, like Boise state, Nevada. I know was Nevada is a bit of an underrated team this season. They, they beat them. So how confident yep. do you think this group is that they can beat Louisville? They have to be as confident as they can be. They've, they've seen what they can do when they get rolling. Right. So I think if the Falcons get off to an earth, like a hot start, they'll just, they'll do what they can to keep it going because they've had success against opponents even when they come in as underdogs and they've like you said they've beaten two straight power five opponents yeah and getting getting the win over Boise State kind of got a monkey off their back because they had difficulties the last couple years whether it was Boise State coming to town or actually trying to win on the Smurf turf so (laughs) getting one over there has to have done a lot for the confidence even if it was followed by two straight losses. Yeah. So obviously we've talked to this point that air force is all about the ground game. You know, that they run that flex bone triple option and it's, it's run primarily by uh, back Brad Roberts. I mean, he's had a hell of a season this year. He's at 1,275 yards, 13 touchdowns. He's actually the 14th leading rusher in the nation. What makes him so dangerous? It's just like army's bowl game. If you watch Jacoby Buchanan, just kind of truck through guys, <laughs> Rob, Roberts is a big dude and he's hard to slow down. Um, Like you can just keep feeding him the ball and he finds a way to turn it into yards, turn it into touchdowns. Yeah. It's really a, it's a size and determination thing with Roberts. So is he purely like of the, the fullback mold, just like grab the ball and just dive and just bowl people over? Or does, does he have some elements of speed to his game? Uh, he's, he's primarily the fullback for the team. Okay. So on that same subject, he's racked up all the yardage that he has, but he's also logged the third most carries in the nation. And I'm looking at his stat. He's actually had the most carries for an air force back in 51 years. So does he have enough left in the tank to continue going on against Louisville? And kind of in that same note, does quarterback Hazik Daniels like have the same? Cause I think, I think doing some research, he, was maybe questionable for the game with an injury. Everything I've seen suggests that the Falcons should be at full strength. If if Roberts doesn't necessarily get it going, we'll probably see them turn to DeAndre Hughes, 
who had a monster of a game against Nevada when it did go to overtime. He set the school rushing, I forget if it was the just rushing record or all-purpose yards record with something like 275 yards. For a team like Air Force, the all-purpose yardage record is only 275? Well, you have to consider they have so many mouths to feed. That That is true. That is true. So it takes a little bit to get one guy that many yards. That was a game where Roberts didn't necessarily get going quite as much. And it just kind of turned into Hughes was able to break big. Like Kazik Daniels finished with 23 passing yards that day, I believe. So it was 23 passing yards on one one completion. So it once you find the hot hand and that time right. it was Hughes, you're just going to keep going. Right. And, and kind of going off of Daniels and his ability throwing the ball. I think when I was doing the, the math, they only they average like 65 rushing attempts a game and only like eight and a half passing attempts. In fact, Daniels has only thrown the ball double digit times in five games this season. How many teams kind of forced Air Force into making them play against their style and kind of attack through the air? Like, for example, some of those games where they found themselves in a hole. I mean, the easiest thing you can look at Army because even though both teams obviously wanted to establish the run, it was the pass that was going to give them a chance to kind of set themselves apart. Colorado State, actually, Hazik Daniels passed for 121 yards, which is high for Air Force. Right. Um, but it was that was probably one of the better balanced games with 121 pass yards. And then Roberts put up 151 on the ground. It's tough to it's tough to really push Air Force out of its comfort zone. Yeah. Um, Unless the hole is like really deep, I assume. Right. Yeah. And even then, they'll, they really only want to pass when they have an opening. If they mm-hmm. can set up a couple rushes, then they'll throw in a pass attempt just to kind of grab a chunk. Like they'll, they'll only want to throw when, when they have a wide receiver who's wide open or like they kind of catch defenses off guard where they expect yeah. run, 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 and then like throw in that play action where they can catch, some, catch a defense off their heels. Yeah. They really need okay. someone to bite before they'll give it a chance to pass because even Brandon Lewis is the leading receiver with 15 receptions on the year. It's not, you're not going to get a guy who hits a hundred receptions maybe ever. Right. And kind of, kind of building off of that, even though like the receivers don't necessarily have the numbers, I mean, just because of the style air force does run, how, how proficient do you think the, the wide receivers are in case they do have to go that way? Obviously Brandon Lewis is going to be the first target. Um, just because he's had the most receptions this year. He's averaging 28 and a half yards per reception. Um, so they have, they have the potential to do it. It's just they really try not to. Right. Um, as far as tight ends go, they're primarily blocking tight ends. Kyle Patterson is the leading tight end as far as receptions with 81 yards. So And 59 <laughs> yeah. of those came on a single reception. Yeah, it sounds like a blocking tight end to me. Yeah. So they have they have guys who can catch the ball. They just really don't want to. Right, because it just goes completely against what they run. Yeah. So enough about offense. We've talked enough. Enough about that. Let's <laughs> let's talk about defense. So whenever people in college football kind of think about who some of the top defenses are, they'll think of teams like, you know, Georgia, Alabama, Wisconsin, maybe Oklahoma State, like teams like that. But looking at total defensive stats, I mean, Air Force is right there at number five in total defense. What makes this Falcons defense such a good unit, particularly against the run? Because I think they hold teams to around like 80-something rushing yards a game. Yeah, I mean, some of that's got to be the fact that if you're seeing your offense run, run, run every day in practice, you're going to figure out how to stop the run right. because it's it's what you see the most. But for Air Force, it's a lot of, it's a lot of team tackling. Trey Bug, the third, leads the team with 61 tackles, and that's combined individual and assisted stops. And so they have a whole bunch of guys right around the 50 to 60 tackle mark. It's not just like one guy has 100 tackles and everyone's like off in the distance. Yeah, they're, they're just the embodiment of like gang tackle football. Right, right. It's everyone does their part to make sure they're putting in the stops. Yeah, plus, it's, it's not really something I'd ever thought about. I mean, when you're used to facing a team in practice that does almost exclusively run, I mean, you're going to get better at that at some point. I guess that kind of makes sense as to why they have such a great run defense. Exactly. So, and someone in that front seven 
Vince Sanford, I mean, he's had an incredible season. Was it 17 tackles for loss, nine and a half yep. sacks, four forced fumbles. I mean, that, that dude's a monster. I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, he gets on some NFL radars. Even though Louisville has probably one of the one of the better offensive lines in the ACC, particularly in the interior with with uh, Caleb Chandler, first team PFF guard, and then Cole Bentley, who's like a fifth year guy. How difficult will it be for them to stop Sanford? That's kind of the story of Air Force. It's a lot of guys who just they're so determined to work, work, work. Just like Roberts getting the volume, it's Sanford's going to have as many chances as he can to get in and cause havoc. 17 tackles for loss is pretty good no matter where you're playing. Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty I think when I looked it was ninth in the nation or something to that extent. It's it's up there. It's at least top 10. Yeah. As long as everyone else can give him a chance to like if everyone handles their assignments, Sanford's going to find ways to get through. And Jordan, what's what's that other uh linebacker is it Jordan? What's his I know I should have this. Jordan Jackson. Jordan Jackson. That's what it was. I yep. knew it was the guy with two first names. And he's <laughs> he he's had a, a heck of a season himself too. I mean, if it wasn't for uh, Sanford just pretty much exploding, he'd probably be catching a lot of headlines at least in the Mountain West as well. So I mean, it, it's it's going to be a, a a bit of a task for those two guys to kind of contain Malik Cunningham, one of the the better dual threat quarterbacks, not only in the ACC but in the nation. So how will how will Air Force try and deal? with Cunningham in an attempt to try and slow him down. I think it helps. I believe Louisville's had some wide receiver departures, right? Yeah, certainly. So, yeah, they, they've lost two of their top four uh, pass uh, wide receivers. They, they still have their number one tight end, Marsh, on four. They've still got uh, true freshman Amari Huggins-Bruce. They've got deep ball, speed threat, Tyler Harrell. But no, it's it's a completely different wide receiver room. I, when I look to the two deep, they've actually only have four scholarship wide receivers on the two deep at the three wide receiver positions. So it's definitely going to be a game where they'll rely a lot on Malik Cunningham's legs and yeah. give the ball a lot to guys like Travion Cooley, Jalen Mitchell, uh, almost at Hassan Hall, but he actually transferred to this, <laughs> this. I can easily see this game being one where it might set the ball season record for most rushing attempts in a game. I won't even be surprised. Um, yeah, I would expect I would expect Air Force to try to keep Cunningham in the pocket and take away being able to use his legs just because they'll expect that the receiver room isn't quite, I mean, I don't want to say they're not ready, but they're not right. going to be as ready as they would have been. Yeah. And, and that's stayed. fair because they're having to rely on a handful of, of walk-ons and guys who yeah. don't have a ton of experience. So they, that's, that's a completely fair statement. Yeah. So here's the all, one of the almighty questions. Air Force wins this game if, and what is your prediction? Air Force wins this game if they can get rolling early because if they can establish their style of offense, the Falcons will keep the ball. Um, they're averaging about 37 minutes of possession per game. And, I mean, the easiest way to win is just don't let your opponent have the ball. Yeah, just keep the ball away from them, yeah. <laughs> exactly. So if Air Force can establish what they want to do and limit Cunningham on the ground, they should be able to pick this one up. I don't know if they will. They, yeah, I mean, it really, it comes down to how the first couple minutes go. I don't and, know. And, and even if, if Air Force does go down early, one of the themes of Louisville season this year was blown fourth quarter leads. <laughs> I mean, through the middle part of the season, they had a one and five stretch where they dropped games late against Virginia. They blew a 17-point lead against Virginia. They couldn't close out against Clemson after being on the goal line. They were tied with NC State heading into the third quarter, and then NC State fired off 21 straight points. Uh, they lost to a game-winning field goal against Wake Forest. So, I mean, even, even if uh, Air Force gets, does get down early, I, I can still see them coming back because, like you've said, they, they seem like a team where they have no quit. Honestly, it right. seems like a, a bad matchup for Louisville, at least in that department. <laughs> so do you have a do you have a score prediction? <laughs> oh boy. I mean, I expect it to be close. I'm expecting if both teams run the ball, it's probably gonna be lower. One of my one of my favorite things from CBS's Cover Three podcast is that service academy unders are something like 49 and one. And mm -hmm this almost sounds like a service Academy game just from yeah 
I mean, so, like, Satterfield has caught flack from a lot of Louisville fans just because of his propensity to run the ball too much and and, and even in like clear cut passing situations. So this this might as well be a service academy game, like Louisville Academy. I mean, that doesn't fits. exactly roll off the tongue, but yeah, here we go. So no, I mean, if either team hits thirty, I feel like I'll be pretty surprised. I could see this being like a. 24 21 21 17 mm-hmm. it's one that could really go either way i think the line is at one and a half right now in favor yep. of the cardinals yeah louisville opened up as a one and i think it moved to one and a half like about a couple days after the line came out yeah i know in my prediction piece that i released a couple days ago i i originally had louisville 28 24 but just because of having to prepare for the triple option the amount of the departures they've had in the wide receiver room I, I think it's going to be closer to 28-27 Louisville, but I, I don't have any conviction that Louisville could, will win will win this game. I mean, do they have the ability? Absolutely. But so does Air Force. Like, this right. this almost seems like a true pick just because of having to face that triple option and being a little bit shorthanded. But we'll see. It, it should be a good game regardless if you like uh, running the football. <laughs> It's going to be a fast one. We'll go with that. Yeah, it seems like it's going to come down to who who has the ball last or who can keep the ball away from the other. Yeah. All right. Anyways, Louisville and Air Force will go head-to-head this Tuesday at 3.15 Eastern on ESPN. Ryan, thanks for stopping in. You can give him a follow on Twitter at, try and pronounce this, Hyan Reigns. It's basically your name with the R and H flipped. And go ahead and check out his work over at AgainstAllEnemies.com. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.